Lord, thank you for tonight, God. You are great, Lord. You are wonderful. And God, we just want to glorify you tonight in all that we do and say. And I pray that as you speak to us, that it would go into our lives, Lord. Your word would, would certainly challenge us, but change us at the same time. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to speak, God, and to speak deeply, and that we would be honest and open before you when we hear your word, God. When we hear your spirit moving, convicting, changing, Lord, that we would respond, God, to you in your voice, Lord. You are a shepherd, we are your sheep, and the sheep hear the shepherd's voice, so may we, God, hear your voice tonight. And so bless this time, touch us with your spirit, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, tonight we're going to get into Luke chapter 6, and and I was thinking about this as I was studying, and, and you know, I was thinking about how I I grew up Japanese, basically, and I had a lot of, I ate a lot of pickled vegetables, you know, like some tsukemono, like pickled cabbage, I love that, you know, um, I like uh, the pickled, uh, pickled things and all this other stuff, I forgot what they call it, well, and, but then there's radish, daikon, the takwang, right? So pickled daikon, takwan, we see in the stores. But especially the daikon, right, it has this distinct smell. One time I wanted to sneak a little snack of takwan at night, and I pulled the, the jar out from the fridge, and, and with my chopsticks, you know, grabbed a few and ate them up, put the lid back, put it in the fridge. And then from the other side of the room, I hear my wife, Kristen's like, what is that smell? Did the cat do something, you know, <laughs> or leave something? And yes, well, I said, well, it was me. I was eating the daikon. She goes, oh, yeah, I figured. I always smell. And, and it seems like no matter whenever I eat that, pull it out of the fridge, even if she's upstairs, she still smells it. <laughs> but I was busted. So cannot sneak taquan. Yeah, it's clear evidence of that smell gives it away. Well, as we return to our study in the book of Luke, Jesus talks about the proof, the evidence that shows, that should be very evident, that shows that we are followers of God or not. And so I've titled our message tonight, The Clear Evidence, The Clear Evidence. We're going to be finishing up this chapter finally. Uh, Luke chapter 6 from verse 43 through 49 is our study tonight. And we're going to, the clear evidence is seen in these three things. And this is what Jesus is going to cover. Number one, the fruit. Number two, the faithfulness. And number three, the foundation. So we begin here, number one, the fruit. The clear evidence is seen in the fruit. Number one, the fruit. Now we're going to cover verses 43 through 45 if you're taking notes here. Uh, first of all, though, take a look at verse 43. We're going to take this verse by, or line by line, verse by verse here in this section. But first of all, verse 43. So Jesus says, For no good tree, bear, uh, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. And we'll stop there. Now we begin here with Jesus using this word for, which continues what he's been talking about. It connects us, really. Remember, in this chapter, Jesus 
was really teaching this sermon, right? We started with the Beatitudes, right? On our character, who we are, how we approach God and all. And then we saw, and the next time after that was, we saw we need to love your enemies, how important that was, especially those who persecute you. And then last time, we saw how uh, we are not to judge others. And I titled that message last week, Silence the Criticism. And so many times we get caught up in that critical attitude and that critical kind of spirit. And, and so Jesus was really playing off of loving your enemies, getting into, hey, you know, don't, don't get so critical here, judging one another and all of that. And if you miss that, you can catch the podcast or watch our YouTube channel and get that. So as he's going on, on with these characteristics, which are who a follower of God is, you know, the, our character and the Beatitudes and how we handle ourselves with loving our enemies and our mouths with criticism and all. Well, as he goes on here with these characteristics of a person who follows God, now Jesus goes on to give this analogy. And what he's talking about is it's like fruit that comes out of a tree. So here in verse 43, saying, For no good tree bears bad fruit. Right? A good tree has to give this good fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. So a bad tree not going to give out good fruit. And so here we're going to see three things. And the first thing, number one, is good. a good tree makes good fruit, but a bad tree makes bad fruit. I mean, real basic here. We understand that, right? We understand trees, fruit. Many of you guys have fruit trees in your yard. We have a banana tree and an avocado tree and a banana tree is so sweet, really good. Uh, when we were purchasing the house, the uh, previous owners were saying, oh, the, the, the bananas, they're, they're, they're really sweet and they are and every bunch we've had have been so good. And we have avocado trees and they say, oh, these avocados, they're really good. They're like real buttery and, and, and every year when the avocado tree produces and all this choke avocados, it's exactly that. It's buttery and good. So you would say this avocado tree and this banana tree is good trees, right? They're healthy. They produce good fruit, tasty fruit, you know, not bad fruit. So I would say, hey, this, these are good trees. Well, that's an analogy now that Jesus puts forward. So then he's, he's, as he's putting out this analogy, he then says it a different way. He goes on to verse 44 now. He says, for each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. So Jesus kind of takes this analogy in another way and looking at it in a different way. He's saying, look, every tree is known by like the type of fruit it produces. So the type of fruit, right, that comes out is clear evidence of what type of tree that is, what kind of tree that is. So like if you get bananas from this tree, Banana, this tree, you know, it's a banana tree, right? That's, that's the idea. And then he clarifies that by saying here in verse 44, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes. No, the figs, and it was a staple fruit back then in ancient times, still is in, in Israel. Well, they come from not thorn bushes, they come from a fig tree, right? So figs, they're going to come from a fig tree, you know what kind of tree that is. Or he throws in another example, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. Same thing. Grapes, they come from a grapevine, not a bramble bush. I mean, both the thorn bush, bramble bush is another prickly bush. They're not going to produce those kinds of fruit. 
So he comes at this idea, this analogy in another way. So the second thing is, is the type of fruit shows what kind of tree it is. So with this, good fruit comes from good trees, bad fruit from bad trees, and the type of fruit is going to come from what kind of tree it is. Now, I want to bring in something Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 7, and, and, and in the same way, and if we, we feel like chapter 5 and through 7 in Matthew is the same thing as Luke chapter 6, or some people believe it's a different sermon. Remember, we talked about that uh, 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 back when we talked about the Beatitudes. But in Matthew 7, when Jesus talking about the same thing about good fruit, bad fruit, trees and all that, he started talking about the Pharisees how they are wolves in sheep's clothing. That's how he started. And he, then he says, you're going to be able to recognize these guys, the Pharisees, by the kind of fruit that comes out of their lives. So he's, he's talked about in the same analogy here. So think about the Pharisees, the way they carried themselves, what came out of them. They said they were godly. They said they were the priests, and they were the priests and everything, and they were, you know, God's chosen, and they were there, the high makamaka spiritual ones. But the way they carried themselves, and as we've been going through this, I've been giving you little insights about them in their legalism, and how they are like really, you know, hard on people and look down upon anybody else who, who, who weren't like them and all the poor were on, on lower class and all of that, right? So Jesus is kind of putting out there, look on how these guys carry what, themselves. Look what comes out. So the fruit shows what kind of tree it is. So think about that in context of what he was saying in Matthew 7. See, God, understand this, God knows the heart. He's the only one who can look inside and see the heart. But we can see the fruit that comes out of a person's life as a clear evidence of who they really are, what they really are on the inside. So this is what Jesus is starting to put out for us here. So real simple, right? He's saying good tree makes good fruit, a bad tree makes bad fruit, but the type of fruit shows what kind of tree it is. And then when he talked about the Pharisees here, oh, you start to get the idea that he's talking about this person's character and what comes out in the outward sense of how they live. So in verse 45, he says this, Look at here. It says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So here Jesus is bringing it home now. Here's the application. Here's what the analogy is really talking about. He's saying, look, a good person out of the good treasure, right, in his heart, what's going to come out? It's good fruits. Good is going to come out of their lives. But the evil person, right, out of the treasures in their heart, what they hold precious like in their heart, what's going to come out? Well, that evil, that bad fruit is going to come out. And what you see on the outside, what's coming out, tells you what's on the inside. If that good fruit is coming out, then you know inside there's good treasure, there's good things inside their heart. But if their bad stuff and junk is coming out, then you know what? There's something going on inside in what they treasure and what they value and what is important to them. So it really reveals what's going on when you see 
by their conduct, by uh, what they, how they carry themselves, how, how they live, right, really shows what's going on in, on the inside and what their character is about. But Jesus then adds this. It also, uh, what you're going to see, the fruit is, is their words, what comes out of their mouth. So that's why Jesus says in verse 45, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So even that is going to be an indication. So the third thing I want you to see is what flows out of your conduct and your mouth is the clear evidence to what's in your heart. So you understand what he's saying. He goes from the tree. You can tell by the fruit if it's a good tree or not. You can tell by the, the, the fruit that comes out You know of, of that. You, 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 you can tell. The, um, what with the words that come out, that's going to tell what that character is inside. I like something, uh, I really like this with J. Vernon McGee, how he put this. He, he wrote this, what is in the well of the heart will come out through the bucket of the mouth. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's so good and that's something to remember. That's so true. What's, what's in the, that well of the heart is going to come up out of that bucket like a, a, a well. It's going to just come out, right? So you see what Jesus is saying. Good fruit only comes from good trees. Good conduct and godly words only come from a truly, really godly heart. Someone who's following God. Someone where God is important in their lives. So let me ask you tonight. What type of fruit comes out of your life. And what does it say about you, right? What does it say about what you treasure in your heart? What, what's important to you? I remember when um, my uh, youngest child, my daughter, Janae, was small. She was like a toddler, and we were down at Paia Bay and at the beach, and, and she had a little bucket, and she went around collecting shells, you know, and, and she collected shells that she could find. And when she got home, she was taking them out, looking at them. And I was, I was thinking about that. All the shells that she picked up were special to her. There was a lot of shells on the beach. But the only one she picked up was the ones that she treasured. What she treasured in her heart. And then from there, when we went home, she was taking those out and, and, and kind of showing off those, those shells that she had picked up. And that's what ended up in her bucket was what she treasured. Well, think about this. What's in your bucket? Yeah. What is in your bucket? What comes out? What's in your heart? What's in there that's really important? What's in there that, that shows who you are, your character is? You know, it, those things you treasure, yeah? Is it of the Lord? Is it characteristics of godliness? Is it, is it you know, uh, being a Christian or a believer in that way? Or let's talk about how Jesus said here, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks, right? That, that, that well of the heart and the bucket of the mouth, like J. Vernon McGee was, was saying. Well, what kind of words come out of your mouth, right? What, 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 is, what is coming out in that way that speak, you know, of what you treasure? I mean, you can tell about a person of what, you know, what he's about. When you hear him speak, I mean, I, I think about it like in a conversation, right? When you hit on a subject, when you, you guys are talking story and you come to this point and you hit on a subject that that person is really interested in, what happens? 
Oh, they come alive. You see it in their expressions. You hear it in their voice. They're more excited. There's emotion behind their words. You know, it's not just, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I love God. Yeah, I, I went to church. And yeah, I go to church. And then, but then if you talk about surfing, oh, yeah, surfing. Oh, man, the other day I was this, this, this. You know, you can tell. You can tell that out of the abundance, right, like Jesus saying, of the heart, his mouth speaks what is it what is it that comes out of your mouth it's a good test even for ourselves to think to examine ourselves yeah you know what what do i naturally get excited about what comes out of my mouth is it really the things of god of jesus or is it some other things or do i barely talk about jesus only and maybe in church or something but does my you know i was thinking about this does my conversation naturally always tend to go with Jesus, you know, or, or about Him, or maybe God showed me something, or you know, in my devotions, or, you know, what, whatever that is. Is it about the Lord? And I was thinking about myself, oh, Lord, I'd like it to be more about you than other things, and surfing, or whatever I'm doing, right? I want it, I want, because I do treasure you in my heart. And you know, I was thinking about this. What is change, you know, once Jesus came in my life? Is there fruit that Jesus is in my life now? Is there evidence of that fruit, that, that clear evidence that, you know, what, I'm, I'm, I'm a tree that God has saved. I'm a, like someone, I'm that tree planted by the rivers of the water where I'm just soaking up God's strength and His sustenance and Holy Spirit and out, out of me is... is is Jesus coming out? And that my life has changed since I've came, come to Christ. How about you? What has changed in your life once Jesus come in? What is that evidence? I mean, it could be in your character. You know, you're different now. It could be how you respond, right, to, to life's problems or situations that arise or, or someone hurts you or someone says something. How do you respond when you're tested or troubled, what kind of fruit really comes out? You know, I, I think about Galatians 5. Like, turn, turn to that. Turn to the right, over in the right, to Galatians chapter 5. And we know the fruits of the Spirit, but I want you to see this. Galatians chapter 5, after Romans, after 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And go to Galatians chapter 5, in verse 22 and 23. The Apostle Paul writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things is no law. That's the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That's what should be coming out. That's the kind of fruit that would be clear evidence of who you are in Jesus and the Holy Spirit alive in you today. It's convicting in a way, right? Is, is that fruit that is normally there in your life? Love? Joy? Peace? How about patience? Yeah. Are you known to be a patient person? Yeah. Well, God's still working on me. You know. Kindness more than anything? Goodness? Faithfulness? Gentleness? Or even self-control? These are fruits that we should think about, that should be evident. If we're that good tree, yeah, if we're in Christ, 
then here's some things that should be coming out. And that should be the clear evidence. That's the fruit. All right, let's go on to number two now, back to Luke chapter six. Number two, the faithfulness. The faithfulness. And we're just going to see one verse in this section, verse 46. So the clear evidence is seen in the fruit and now the faithfulness. Look at verse 46 now. Verse 46 says, And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? So now Jesus brings up this another type of fruit, really, and that's obedience. That's a fruit in our life, that we're obedient to the Lord. And so here he's questioning those who confess, have a confession, you know, meaning they, yeah, I'm, I'm of God, I believe God, I follow God, but there's no fruit of action in terms of obedience. So he says, and why you guys, you know, call me? And I, I, I could think of the Pharisees sitting there, maybe he's looking at them. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? In other words, why do you say, you're my God? Yeah, I follow you, God. You're my King and my Lord. I'm your servant. Yeah, you are my master, that type of thing. He goes, why are you call, calling me like that? But then you do not, you and not do what I tell you. Like you don't obey what I ask you to do. Really, see, Jesus is saying, you know, followers of God follow the commands of God, right? If they're going to say, I'm a follower of God, I'm, I'm with the Lord, he, he is my Lord God, then if He is your Lord, then you would serve your God and you would obey the Word of God, the commandment of God. Again, back in Matthew chapter 7, in, in the same manner, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and, and He started out, before He said this, He started out saying how they, there's these guys that would go and they would speak for God, yeah? They would prophesy. And then there's these guys that go out, they would go out, these guys would go out and even cast out demons. And they would do these miracles. But Jesus told them, you know what? Why do you say Lord, Lord to me and you do not do what I say? You claim all these things. You say, oh, I'm for God. I'm a prophet of God. I'm a Pharisee for God. And then, you know what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 23? He said, I never knew you. They were never really connected to God. They never really belonged to God because they didn't obey the Lord. Followers of God are the faithful, the faithful who obey God's word. Think about what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. It says, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep. His commandments. Do you understand that? We know that we know Christ, that we're really in Christ, we're following Christ, because you know what? We keep His commandments. We follow His word. We obey God's word. So Jesus is saying here, the fruit of true followers is the faithfulness they have to obey God's word. That's really a point. I mean, why... Call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do tell, you know do what I tell you to do. No, you know what? Because the fruit now of true followers, and in, as we're in context here, the faithfulness to obey God's word. On the wall of a cathedral in Lübeck, Germany, is written this: "You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way." 
and follow me not. You call me life and choose me not. You call me wise and acknowledge me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. Jesus is saying, look, the fruit of true followers is the faithfulness to obey God's word. Let me ask you this. Can people look at you, observe your life, can people tell that you are a Christian because you obey God's word? By the way you obey God's word. Is there that kind of fruit coming out? I mean, think about this. In the world, right, uh, people don't obey God's word. They don't follow God's word, right? They, they don't really live that out here, right? So are you different from the world? That that kind of fruit is coming out. There's obedience to God's word and what, what he says, what Jesus says. Do, do, you, do you stand out in that way? You know, do you like, maybe no matter how fast everyone dr- driving down the highway, you're, you're the slow one. <laughs> Sometimes I think that. I think I'm just taking my time going down and... Uh, you know what? It's, I'm doing this speed limit. Everyone, go around me if you want. Yeah. Or you know, are you the only one when? Oh, yeah. You can tell when there's a police car right somewhere nearby. Every all of a sudden, what's not normal is everyone putting on their brakes. Everybody driving slow. I mean, that just happened the other day when we were going down. I was thinking, why is everyone driving slow? Oh yeah, I could see. Right, there's another police car coming up. Right. Do we live differently? You know, than the world. Or we just go along with everyone else, what everyone else does. What, what is the fruit in your life, life there? Are you the same of the world? Same with the world? Or not? Understand, you know, what I'm talking about too is this habitual disobedience of God's word. This habitual, consistent Living a life, not really obeying God's or just doing what you like or living like, like the world. Now, the Bible talks about in this habitual kind of disobedience that it could mean two things, you know. Number one, it could mean you are a carnal Christian. You know what a, do you know what a carnal Christian is? Well, Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 3, but basically it's a person who says, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I call Jesus my Lord, but you live like the world and you disobey the world. I mean the word and you live like the word world. <laughs> you got it. right? You live like the world, but you disobey the word. And so your life doesn't match what you say. That's a carnal Christian. That's a worldly Christian. If there's a, a, a word like that, it's oxymoron, right? Maybe sometimes baby Christians are like that. I remember when I first came to the Lord, I was, I was kind of like still learning, you know, kind of still worldly, going to church and everything like that. But I remember growing and someone even, you know, talking to me about that. It could be our baby Christian, spiritually immature, 
But if you've been in the Lord a while and you're still living like the world, then I would say you're a carnal Christian. Or maybe you were once on fire and you, you've drifted and you backslid is the word. And you're a carnal Christian now because you're in this habitual disobedience of God's word. That's a carnal Christian. So you're either a carnal Christian or number two, you're not a Christian. In Revelation 22, 15, it talks about those who are outside of heaven. And two words are said in that verse. These guys are the ones who continually practice sin. So that person, they've really not given their life to Jesus. They, they really haven't had that life-changing experience. So they're not really saved. Because they just continue to practice sin. They, they live worldly and they talk like they may say oh yeah yeah i gave my heart to the lord years ago yeah i prayed the prayer you know but nothing's changed so you kind of wonder what's going on but do you see how a carnal christian and a person who's not a christian it's hard to tell the difference only god knows the heart but i hope you examine your own heart and you see that wow am i is god speaking to me here in verse 46 why do you call me lord lord and not do what I tell you? Oh, is that me? Let's change. Because the fruit of true followers is the faithfulness to obey God's word. So is there really fruits of salvation in your life? And one of the fruits is you're obedient to God's word. You want to follow God's word. There's, there's fruits of repentance and there's clear evidence that, you know what, I, I want to live for Jesus, not like the world. I want to live the, out the word of God. Now, I remember really examining my heart years ago when I heard someone say this, if you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about that. If you were put on trial, say persecution came and we were arrested for being Christians and you were put on the stand, right? And, 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 or or, you, or you're, you're, you're sitting at the table being, you know, uh, uh, and someone else was put on the stand and, and the prosecutor's like, I want you to testify to the fact that that person is a Christian. Would they be able to testify and give evidence of how you live your life, how you obey the word, that you are truly a believer in Jesus Christ? Would there be enough evidence to convict you? I think we need to examine our lives. All right, well, let's go on now. The clear evidence is seen in the fruit, the faithfulness, and now number three, the foundation, the foundation. This is the rest of the verses in this chapter. Verse 47 and 48, it says... Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. And we'll stop right there. So Jesus goes on here. Now, now he brings in this new picture here. It's about this house built upon this foundation of a rock uh, uh, and, 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 and this rock yeah makes the 
the house strong no matter what happens when the storms or anything comes yeah and and whatever happens this house just stands there right away i think about the song we sing with the kids right the wise man built his house upon a rock wise man built his house upon a rock you know wise man built his house upon a rock and the rains came tumbling down. And the rains came down, floods came out, rains came out, floods came out, rains came out, floods came out. And the house on the rock stood strong. Strong. Yeah. Strong, you guys. Strong. So here's this person who builds upon the rock. And what is that? What, what is that? Well, verse 47 tells us, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and what? Does them. That's the person who builds their house on a rock. The person who is obedient to what Jesus says. And you know what that means? That means this person listens to Jesus. What the gospel is. How to find forgiveness. How to find for, uh, uh, salvation. How, how to have eternal life. And so they give their life to, the, to Jesus and come to Jesus for salvation that's part of it, you guys. That's part of that obedience. It means, it means this person then starts to live this new life they're given as a new creation and, and builds their life upon the principles of God's Word and obeys God's Word. And this person is filled with the Holy Spirit and begins to, to obey and follow the Spirit, not the flesh anymore but discovers who they are in, in God's word and be, grows in that and does God's will in that way. You know what? The person who, who comes to Jesus and hears his word and does that, you know what? That means to trust God when he asks us to trust him. It means to be faithfully praying and being in the word and, and to be connected to God. That's what, I mean, we think about everything Jesus taught us in the Bible. Not just you better do this or you better not do that. But in everything about who we are and becoming who we are in Jesus. That's what it encompasses here. So that person who builds their life upon that obedience, upon that rock, really it's on Christ and that obedience to everything Jesus tells them to do. When the floods arose, the streams come and break in and try and break down the walls it's you know break the banks and comes against the house that person who obeys jesus does what he says goes to jesus believes everything right that person stands strong unshaken no matter what happens in life the life that is built upon christ and his words will stand strong and survive life's storms. Think about that. That's really what this song is talking about. Or song. This, these, I'm thinking about the song, but you know, <laughs> these verses, which is a song, and we sing it, and we think about that. That's what it's really talking about. It's our obedience, listening to Jesus, becoming everything who He wants us to be. In 1834, Edward Moe wrote this hymn, and you guys know it. The first verse says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. What's the chorus? 
On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. The second verse says, In every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's Jesus. That's what, that's what it happens when we listen to what Jesus says and live that out. And so just as the song says, Jesus closes up here, we will finally go to verse 49. And he says, But the one who hears and does not do them, and what is that? What Jesus says, is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation, on the sand, right? On the, ho- the house on the sand went splat. Yeah, oh, splat. I make the splat sound. Anyway, <laughs> right? So it fell, and great was, it. immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. It was destroyed. Big devastation here of that house. So these are those people who never acted on what Jesus taught them. They never responded in faith. They never obeyed. Now, think about this. Both houses look the same. They look the same, but one had no foundation. So that's the one who hears and does not do them. And you know what? They hear it. Maybe they even say, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But there's really no intent there. There's really no obedience there. So when the storms came, they were overwhelmed and they fell. When, storm, when the storm, when trials, when troubles, when the stream comes, the situation, the storms of life come, the disobedient basically is overwhelmed and falls. You know, I was thinking about how do I listen to Jesus? Yeah, I want to build my house on the rock. Do I really listen to Jesus? And I was thinking about how one time as a the plane was beginning to taxi and to take off here in Maui. And you know how they, the flight attendant comes up and takes out you know, the, all the little implements for the emergency procedures and stuff like that. And, and the flight attendant was going every, over everything. You know, and I thought, maybe I should really listen because normally I just tune it out. right? When you travel a lot, you just start to tune that stuff out. And I thought, maybe I should really listen and not tune it out because what if something happens would I know what to do <laughs> do I really I mean yeah the mask or pull it over and but then I thought wait you know the vest they're like well there's you pull this tab but there's a tube and there's this the other thing like that it's like wait wait you know and and in an emergency situation I might just panic like what, what would I pull the thing and blow or will that thing blow up inside of me or something I, I don't know <laughs> you know I read about one uh on one flight a frustrated attendant wanted to see if anyone was really listening because you know most most people tune it out so as she was going over the emergency procedure she said when the mask drops down place it over your navel and breathe normally but no one noticed no one no one said anything so it proved their point yeah but are we really really listening and obeying jesus things in life are going to come Things in life are, are going to happen. Will we be able to survive it? Or will we be overwhelmed? 
So our last point here, Jesus is saying the strong foundation of a person's life is built upon responding and obeying the words of Jesus. Think about everything that Jesus tells us. What we study like tonight or what we read, you know, in God's word every day. You know, it's not just a tradition we do or ritual. It's not just we just read it and, okay, we did our reading and so I'm good with God. But it's all to equip us, to help us, to build that foundation. So as we live this life, we're not going to be overwhelmed. We're going to survive. No matter what happens, no matter what happens in the storms of life, we're going to make it. We're going to be victorious. We can stand. We won't fall. I was thinking about when the architects and engineers built the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. In their design, they say they considered three things in their design. Number one, they called it the dead load. That is the weight of the bridge itself. So it had to be able to handle its own load, right? Just the bridge. Secondly, with the dead load was the live load. And that's the weight of the daily traffic, the cars and people. The bridge needs to handle that besides. But there's one more thing. They called it the wind load. That is the amount of wind and, say, a storm that the bridge can handle and under you know, stress of the wind and the storm that comes upon it. So they consider all those three things, the dead load, the live load, and the wind load. And you know, I was thinking, that's what God does for us. With His Word and what He tells us to do, how He, he calls us to give our life to Him, to trust Him, to rely upon Him, how He wants us to live in obedience and, and um, put off the old man, put on the new, and follow the Spirit, not the flesh, all those things, right? In the same way, it's, it's helping us. It's bracing us up. It's stabilizing us. It's building this foundation so that, like the dead load, uh, uh, you know, it helps us in our own self issues, just ourself. And like the live load, it, our daily life issues, what happens in daily life. And then like the wind load, when those huge trials and troubles and the storms of life come blowing through, our house will stand because it's built upon the rock. That's it, guys. You want to get through what you're going through? You want to prepare yourself for what might happen in the future? You want to to find victory in your own life, in the struggles maybe you have inside yourself? Oh, listen to what Jesus says. If He is your Lord, then listen. Then listen and do what He says. And then, when your house stands, even with the most extreme storms that blow, it's evident that you're with God and God is in you. And that shows that fruit. I'll close with this story. True story, while driving north on Interstate 94, Scott Willis and his wife, Janet, were heading from Chicago to Wisconsin. The van held the two, the mom and dad, plus the six youngest of their nine children. 
Unforeseen tragedy came when the van ran over a piece of metal on the road, punctured the gas tank. The van instantly turned into a raging furnace. By the time the van stopped, the parents fell out and their children were hopelessly trapped. Their mother screamed, no, no, no. It seemed this minister and wife could have easily uh, gave up on God, but actually the hospital staff were inspired by the couple's unshaken spirits. Several of the staff were embarrassed that the Willis's spent more time consoling doctors and nurses than the other way around. At a a news conference, uh, the burned and bandaged couple, still in physical pain, gave witness to God's grace. Scott said, Janet and I have had to realize that we're not taking a short view of life. We are taking the long view, and that includes eternal life. Janet said that when she looked back toward the van and began screaming, Scott touched her shoulder and he said, Janet, this is what we've been prepared for. They are with the Lord. In the midst of tears and heartache, Scott said, I know God has purposes and God has reasons. God has demonstrated his love to us and our family. There's no question in our mind that God is good and we praise him in all things. Janet agreed, saying, It is his right. We belong to him. My children belong to him. He is the giver and taker of life, and he sustains us. Isn't that crazy? Six of their young kids. How could they say such things in this flood of suffering and pain? You know how their house was built upon a rock. Their house was on the foundation of Jesus. And in their obedience to Jesus, God has strengthened that foundation. So when this happened, they were not shaken. So you could see what God is saying tonight. Let us be like these guys. Let's build our house and show in our life the clear evidence. Let's pray. Jesus, when tragedy strikes, how do we respond? How do we react? Sometimes not that great, Lord. Understandably, our emotions, our despair, God, can come upon us and overwhelm us. But Jesus, thank you that you are there to strengthen us. And the firmer our foundation is in you, Jesus, the shorter that is, God. And the stronger we can be even when things are unbearable. Lord, as I come before you, I pray for anyone here tonight or watching us online who's going through some extreme storms in life, hurricanes, things that are pressing up against them so hard that they're in despair and fear. But God, you are stronger, you are greater, and you are here with us right now. And I pray that you bring comfort and peace and you give us a sense of assurance that you are there and you'll never leave us nor forsake us. And even as we go through the storm, God, may we be obedient to what you are saying to us, to trust you, not our emotions, to put our faith in not what we see, but what we don't see, but what we know 
in the promises in your word. And so, Lord, help us tonight, God, where we are weak, be strong. And Lord, help us to continue to do what you say, God. And not just in obedience to not doing wrong or moral issues, but to trust you, to have faith in you, to give our lives to you, to surrender, to to open your word, to find the promises there, to listen for your spirit to speak and to follow and obey no matter what it looks like, no matter what we think, Lord, to put our own perspectives aside and, and look at it as an opportunity to see you do your work. God, tonight, as we come before you, Lord, we all face, Lord, certain things, whether it's at work, at home, relationships, God, uh, whether it's family issues or neighbor issues, or maybe it's something with our house or our car or whatever that storm is, God. Lord, maybe it's just this hurt inside from years ago. Maybe maybe it's, it's a struggle with sin, of habitual sin that, we truly want to stop and be freed of. Lord, I pray that you come tonight and bring that freedom and healing and, and hope and, and touch us in a way that we would be made right through your forgiveness and, and set upon our feet to be able to walk in victory and, and move forward to stand no matter what's going on, to hold on to you as you hold on to us. And so, Lord, I pray right now, God, that as we do that, that others will see that we're not giving up on you. That this unusual peace we have and that this unusual strength to wake up every day, to go on, to, to, to take one step at a time in, in your strength, even if that's all we can do for, for the moment, Lord, that all will see it, that we do belong to you, that we are children of God, and it's clear evidence that you, Jesus, are in our life. So God, help us to be real in these things. And God, I pray all in all that you would take our eyes off of ourselves, even our own self-interest or our own pride and self-glory, but that our heart would be set on your glory on glorifying you with the fruits in our life and glorifying you, God, in the way we live and what we say and what we think. And so let that be in our hearts, God, to glorify you with the life that you've given us. Thank you, Jesus. We love you so much. In your name, amen. Let's all